0: Welcome to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, the show that teaches you and other busy pros how to grow your wealth so you can live life on your own terms. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Our guest today is Brian Hennessy. Brian is the author of a number one best selling book on Amazon, the Due Diligence Handbook for Commercial Real Estate, and the How to Add Value Handbook for Commercial Real Estate, both of which can be found on Amazon and in the show notes. He has been brokering, investing, and generally involved in real estate for over 30 years. And now he shares his knowledge so you can learn from his experience. He also offers an online course to help those struggling or wanting to learn more about real estate and what it has to offer. That's called the Due Diligence Video Course, which can be found at courses.impactcoachingsystems.com. And again, there's a link in the show notes. So Brian, welcome to the show. Could you tell us a little bit about why we as passive investors need to get good at due diligence and deals, maybe when you were just investing alongside a an experienced syndicator? Absolutely.
1: I'll give you a little context to uh, put it in perspective. Uh, I had been a commercial real estate broker for over 18 years when a client of mine uh, who had started a real estate investment firm asked me to come over and work as his vice president of acquisitions and dispositions. And I thought that would be a natural slide for me uh, because I had been a broker for so long. But what I found out once I got there was it was very different. Being a broker and being a buyer of the commercial real estate was, in fact, a uh, different in many different ways. So once I got there, we had started uh, doing a couple of large transactions and two large office buildings from a Canadian investment firm. And the vice president quickly found out that I was a neophyte when it came to buying large office buildings and took me to school. <laughs> and it was very stressful because I had all these legal pads in front of me writing down everything. How do I keep track of this? So oh, I better I ask this question. Now who owes me that information and what else do I have to get? And what else should I be asking? And this went on for through the whole due diligence period. I couldn't wait for it to end. I was as the due diligence period wore on, I, the heat got turned up and I just had people asking me for all this information, promising me information. And I was so glad when we finally closed escrow. And then a couple of weeks later, I got called into the investor I was working for his office. And he said, you know, how'd you miss all this stuff? And I was like, well, what did I miss? And then he started running down and there were some critical things that I just, to because I I really was trying to remember the stuff and didn't have a system. And it was embarrassing and humiliating and in some instances expensive. <laughs> so uh, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel every time I, I do this and have to buy a piece of investment real estate. So I'm going to uh, create a reference manual for myself. So that's what I did over a six year period of buying over 9 million square feet with him um, all over the country of different properties. A lot of it was office, but we bought a hotel and some retail stuff. And, and it was uh, it was a great learning experience because we are buying a lot of property in a very short period of time with a small group of people. So we really had to be on our A game. And, uh, when I went back into brokerage, I was wondering how am I supposed to differentiate myself, you know, from, uh, other brokers out there because I had been out of it for a while. So I decided to take my little reference manual and, and create an investor handbook out of it and put it on Amazon. And I never thought I would sell one copy. So I just wanted to use it for marketing purposes and much to my surprise, people started buying it. So I... Said, well, I should probably take this a little more seriously. So I, I had taken a course on marketing your your book, and uh, I had had the cover properly, professionally uh, designed, and put some stories in there, and got some uh, references, reviews, and what have you. And I should say, and uh, it ended up taking off, and it still blows me away. You know how. Many copies is sold. and um, But I think it's because it's such an important topic. And when people see it, because what I did was I actually created a proven system to conduct due diligence. And I don't care if you're buying apartments, um, office, retail, industrial, it doesn't matter, even residential. You know, you, you need to have a system. We, we, there's just way too many things to cover if you're doing proper due diligence. Once you learn to, to do the deep dive when conducting due diligence, you're never going to look at a real estate investment the same way again, ever. So you want to be able to uncover all those issues and problems because the, the, the seller is not going to be coming to you with a, a list of problems and issues with the property. They're hoping you don't find any and you can just close the deal and then you inherit everything. (laughs) And so what I've teach people is, listen, you really need to learn this stuff because it's going to make you a much more confident and uh, investor and you're going to be certain when you put your hard-earned money down that you're making the right, intelligent and informed decision to buy or not to buy. And that's really what it's all about. Some of the best deals you don't are de- the best deals that you don't do are your best, deals, right? And I, that, that happened to me, or I just finally went, you know, I went through, did all the due diligence and said, Whoa, you know what? There's just way too much hair on this. This is not for me. And I walked.
0: Very interesting. So as, but as a passive investor, you know, I, in a a way, I mean, I expect the, the syndicator that I'm investing with to do a lot of this due diligence, but to what degree as passive investors are we responsible in many ways to ourselves to do a lot of the due diligence on the property on our own, you know, maybe fly out, do a physical inspection, check the rent comps, do, you know, I don't know, it's probably not. A good idea to start calling tenants or anything, but um, call a property management company and just maybe get to know them a little bit, get a little bit comfortable with them. You know, where, what level of um, of effort should we be putting into vetting our own private investments?
1: Well, once you learn how to do it properly, you're going to be asking those questions. If you're going to go into a syndication with somebody, you're going to be much more informed about what they should be looking at and you can ask them the questions, you know, what is the uh, competitive set doing with the rents compared to the subject property? You know, what's the historical occupancy in the area? Uh, You know, what, what's the, Job growth, what's the rent growth? What's the population growth? What's the uh, you know? I'm assuming if you're going to a different city, you're not familiar with, but you might not know that about the city you're in, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but there's a lot of questions you should be asking: physical, mechanical, financial, leases. Uh, you know, what's going on in the city? Have you gone down there? Is there any code violations? Do they have any pending uh, code compliance issues that the property may need? You know, there's a bunch of stuff. Right. And by the way, you should be talking to the tenants, not necessarily as the syndicators limited partner because he's (laughs) supposed to be doing that or she's supposed to be doing that, whatever the case may be. But, um, uh, you need to understand this stuff. If you don't, then you're just throwing the dice and you hope it all works out. And I call it belt and suspenders investing because, uh, it 's really it 's really like a game you 're going in there and you 're really trying to find all the hidden where all the bones are buried you know what I mean mm-hmm. and when you learn how to do that and you can use that to your advantage as op- as an opportunity once you 've collected it because very rarely is the price you enter into when you sign the purchase and sale agreement or you open up escrow is the same as it is after you've done your due diligence properly and you've gone through the investigation of the property. Why? Cause you've uncovered all those issues that you weren't aware of before, <laughs> right? Maybe it needs a new roof. Maybe it needs, you know, who knows? You don't, you don't know. Maybe there's things in the lease that are, uh, have a negative impact on the financials. Maybe there's something you found out that's going on in the area that's, a large employer is moving out, and there's going to be a lot more vacancy. I mean, there's there's a myriad of things that could go wrong. So you just want to make sure you've done all your homework and you're prepared for it. But once you have that list, like I said at the at the beginning, uh, the seller's not coming to you with a list of problems, right? They're hoping you just do a cursory look and okay, great, and that's it, you know, and put up your money, go non-refundable with your deposit, and get it done. But if you're doing your homework and you've really drilled down and you've peeled back all the layers and you find out a bunch of other stuff that's going on with it, then you can go back to them and say, Hey, look, you know, the price that we came in at is, uh, before I knew what was going on with, with the property, with these issues. And let me, uh, go through the list with you. And you're very specific and you've got your bids, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. You know, then you go and you know, yes, not all of these things have to be done today or this year, but it's coming up here soon, and so therefore I, you know, I'm going to need a discount. So and then whatever that number is, then you, you may end. It's I always tell people it's not, um, you know what you're saying, it's how you're saying it to them,
0: right? Hmm.
1: And um, you'll get the people that'll say, well, you know, I'm not selling my property to you. Okay, well then you have a business decision to make. You still want to buy it anyway? Personally, I've said, uh, okay, fine. You know, if you decide to come back, and you know, I may still have an interest. You know, and sometimes they do, and then sometimes you'll get a call back a few months later that they'll say, hey, you know, we had an escrow again. They came up with the same issues. We think you're more qualified. We're ready to sell the property to you. Okay, well I don't think I'm quite interested at the number we were talking about, right? <laughs> depends on what it is and where it is. Right. So um, it's all a negotiation. Sometimes they never call you back, which is fine with me on certain issues. I just pass. I don't want to take it on. Right. Yeah. So it's like I said, sometimes the best deals you do are the ones you don't do. So, because once you, you talking about passive income, we were talking about this just before we started uh, recording, but you know, I'm not, I don't really believe in passive per se. It's really semi-passive because you need to, you need to be involved to some extent with keeping an eye on things and running things. Even if it means keeping an eye on the people that are running it for you. Right. And monitoring and going through it, et cetera. So you, I can tell you from all the years I've been doing this, this is the crux of real estate investing. You make your money on the buy, you realize mm-hmm. the value on the sale okay and if you've done you bought it right properly in the beginning you got a much better chance of making it a successful investment you don't want your golden opportunity turning to lead
0: so what are some of the more i mean you mentioned a bunch of really great things there you know looking at the looking at the financials and looking at the property itself and vetting the tenants and learning more about the area if you need to but what are maybe some of the more off the wall unexpected things that, you know, folks really don't see coming, especially new to moderately experienced real estate investors. They just might not have come across yet as a 30 plus year veteran. What do we not know? We don't know.
1: Well, it kind of surprises me that a lot of people don't drill down into the market uh, as much, but it may be in your backyard and you might understand it Quite well, so um, that's something I see that a lot of people don't do, especially when they go to markets they're not totally familiar with. Um, some people make the offer and then called some lenders to find out about their underwriting requirements and find out that this particular property is not going to work based on what they thought it was how it was supposed to work. So they just wasted a bunch of time and energy before they figured that out. I always tell people call a few lenders up first to get an idea. You don't have to tell them exactly where the property is. You can give them some general criteria for it and find out if it's going to make sense. You know, it's also amazing to me. A lot of people will not go down to the city and check out to see if there's any code violations or any pending compliance issues that the property is going to have to be brought up to code with. uh, If in case you're going to do some renovations or what have you. Um, the other thing that really um, throws me for a loop is they assume there's no issues with the existing tenant leases. You've got to comb through those very carefully. They, the, the most innocuous looking little provision could be a, the death knell for the for the property. Mm. Right. Right. Let's say if it's a, um, I mean, pick a pick a genre, but if it were industrial or off, whatever it may be if the lease in it gives them a fixed option for another five, 10 years, then basically you're, and it's below market and the market is rising. Well, basically you're stymie the value of the property. If they have a cancellation termination provision in there that they can exercise in the not too distant future, you're going to have a problem if they do that, right? You're going to have a vacant buildings. So you better, unless you're comfortable with that idea, you better figure out, you know, how long it's going to take for you to get at least and what the reserve should be and uh, carrying costs and retenanting costs and all that stuff. So you you have to be on your game. You have to be paying attention. You're always uh, during your due diligence period and beyond adjusting your underwriting, your financial analysis when you're buying the property.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So we talked a little bit before we started recording about you you and you mentioned before that um, you've invested in hotels and uh, from time to time I will meet say an accredited investor maybe a doctor or somebody that is particularly taken with o- hotels they see them as a fantastic cash flow investment opportunity and they're more interested in investing in a hotel than maybe multifamily or mobile homes or self storage or office or what have you you know and, and What's your take on that as far as a passive investment opportunity goes uh, from your knowledge base? I really wouldn't consider a uh, hotel investment, a
1: passive income necessarily because it's really an operating business. I mean, it does have a real estate component to it, but the property that we bought, for instance, was from a uh, very well-known international hotelier group that it wasn't their flag uh, on it because they bought it at a portfolio sale, but we bought it from them. And um, we had not purchased a hotel as much a learning experience as anything. But what we found out is we not only inherited this hotel with some issues, but we had 125 employees there because it was a 377 room full service hotel, meaning it had a restaurant and bar and all that stuff. So, and it was in a tough market and, uh, it was really, uh, struggling to just make ends meet. So it was a real, uh, value add <laughs> investment <laughs> opportunity for us, but we ended up surviving, uh, and making, uh, a nice profit on it. We bought it, I think for $7.5 million and sold it for like thirteen million two and two and a half years later. So we probably put about a million to a million and a half into it to, to kind of upgrade it. But, um, it's, it's a, the, like they say, you know, it's like a boat after days of the day you buy it and days <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh at least it was for for me anyway but um it's it's a it's a very different uh type of business and uh it can be lucrative but if the economics the 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 economy turns down and the economics change, then you're struggling to keep your doors open and that's a whole different story so Uh, It's great when it's good and it's terrible when it's bad. So,
0: Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, But uh, given that return you made, folks might not be completely dissuaded (laughs) from uh, going after investment opportunities. But the point is taken, there was a lot of pain along the way and uh, spent operating that property. Absolutely. A lot of lessons learned in that one. So your video course, I mean, I, I mentioned it right at the top. Could you tell us a little bit more about what's in it, why folks might be interested.
1: Absolutely. Be happy to. What happened is I've I've been out doing seminars for a while, kept getting people asking me about, are you going to do a video course? And after hearing it a lot of times, I finally decided, you know, I really should do that. And I ended up putting one together and it's out there now, the due diligence video course for commercial real estate. And what it is, it's 16 modules of, how to do the deep dive uh, on conducting due diligence when you're buying investment property. And it has uh, transcripts, um, it has action items in each module, it has um, uh, forms that I use in my investment business. And sample proposal leases, it really has everything you need to get started, plus a uh, uh, plethora of just really ve- very valuable information. And people, uh, it, it la- basically lays the foundation for your investing. You're, you're never again going to look at a real estate investment in the same way after you learn this material. It's really the crux of real estate investing. And as I mentioned earlier, I don't care if you're buying a duplex, um, a large office property, a small office property, a little retail store, an industrial property, it's multi-tenant or single tenant or whatever the case may be, or a skyscraper, a mall, regional mall. I mean, the fundamentals remain the same. Once you learn what you're looking for and the questions to ask and the checklists and all of those things, you're going to have a new confidence in yourself. That's going kind to of come across to those who are trying to sell you the investment, whether it be a broker or a seller. Uh, they're going to be a lot less likely to play games with you when they know uh, I would tell people, check it out. Uh, in fact, I, I believe I told you I would offer your listeners a a 25% discount off the price of the course. I also offer a 30-day money-back, no questions asked guarantee. If you don't think this course is worth 10 times at least what you paid for it, I personally think you're going to believe it's worth 100 times or more. And I know because I've had people tell me that they've taken it and, Tell me that I wish I would have had this information before I bought the last investment I did. And it's if, you, if you're if you not happy, if you don't believe it's worth exponentially what you paid, just send me an email. I'll happily refund your money. That's how confident I am that you're going to get that much value out of it. So you go to courses.impactcoachingsystems.com and uh, check it out. You'll be glad you did.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And 25% off, that's great.
1: Yeah, you get it. I forgot to say, Taylor, uh, when you go to enroll, put in the code PW for passive wealth, PW25, and you'll automatically, upon checkout, get the 25% discount.
0: Wow, that's an awesome deal. I definitely encourage all the listeners to go check it out if you want to learn more about doing due diligence in commercial real estate. So Brian, we'll be back in a second. We're going to cut to our sponsors real quick, and we're going to go through our top two passive investing questions. Want daily interviews with real estate investors and none of the fluff? Go to bestevershow.com where Joe Fairless interviews daily real estate investors and entrepreneurs about their best advice ever. Go to bestevershow.com. So, Brian, what is the best investment that you ever made? I think the best one or
1: one of the best ones certainly was the hotel deal because uh, uh, we did make a nice profit on it, but I also learned a lot about not only the hotel business, but running an operation with that many employees and how to hang in there during uh, difficult times and build some resilience. So I count that as one of my favorite best
0: ones. (laughs) Very good. Good to know. And what is the biggest lesson that you learned the hard way along the way?
1: Uh, That was a tough one. What happened was in March of 2007, I had started a syndication company and I ended up buying five office buildings in Houston that were value add opportunities. And it was one of those uh, portfolio sales that as soon as I saw it and saw the fundamentals, I said, this is like the perfect example of a value add opportunity in a recovering market. So I decided to syndicate it. It was about 350,000 square feet of office space in good areas in Houston and uh, oil prices were going up. Houston was recovering and the leasing there was going very strong. A lot of mergers and acquisitions. And then what happened was we leased up and fixed up and leased up the properties and put them back on the market. Just about the time when the crisis was starting to uh, come to uh, news attention and what happened was uh, we had it on the market we had an offer for the entire portfolio we everybody would have doubled their money and the guy couldn't get a loan so we had to cancel the escrow went back out to the market and then we had a uh swedish pension fund that was going to pay all cash for the two largest properties that would have been uh, over half the square footage and I could have easily Finance the remaining after uh, making the money on the, the other two. But just prior to them removing their due diligence, uh, Hank Paulson gave his financial Armageddon speech and he pulled out. And then shortly wow. after that, uh, I got hit by Hurricane Ike, which was turned out to be somewhat of a blessing because we got some new roofs and things got fixed up and we didn't see much. <laughs> could have been a lot worse. And then I managed to keep the properties, uh, cash flowing. And then what happened was our loan got bought by, um, I won't say their name, but it was, I'll use their initials, GE. (laughs) (laughs) GE capital. (laughs) And, uh, um, what happened is they wanted the property. So, uh, they bought the loan at subpar, And so they were making a very nice uh, cash flow profit on their investment. And they wanted the properties. So they made it very difficult for me to um, extend the loan out. I.e., they wanted a lot of money from me to extend it out for a year, even though it was cash flowing. And uh, when they went to, they, they initiated foreclosure proceedings there. And Texas is a a very lender-friendly state and it happens very quickly. But my attorney said, look, you know, they're going to foreclose. Your options are you can let it happen or you can sue them to stay the foreclosure while we try to figure it out. So I said, let's sue them. So we sued them. We won. Which was, you know, pretty amazing. But the judges said, "Hey, these guys obviously know what they're doing. If the properties are cash flow, you got to try and work with them." So then it was a matter of, "Okay, now they're not going to extend the loan out." So, you know, and I actually had to fly to Chicago to try to get them to uh, see the light on the thing. But they, it was quite obvious they really didn't want to work with me. And uh, after um, One of the investors, which was a real estate attorney said, you know, we, you need to bankrupt the entity and which springs personal uh, liability. So I said, I called up a bankruptcy attorney and asked him and he said, listen, I don't know if there's any benefit to that. You have the MDA and said, can you put a new loan on it? Uh, Today's value. Are you able to do that? I said, no. And he said, well, just give him the keys back which was painful. So I, you know, I did fly back to Chicago. I told them, look, you know, we could work something out here. Um, you know, obviously I'm know what you're doing You're, I know what I'm doing. You can just collect your money. And then in a year from now, let's revisit it. They said, Nope, we're taking the property back. So I told them exactly what was going to happen. They were going to lose somewhere between five and $7 million after trying to lease it for a year and a half, two years. And, uh, because no broker was going to bring them a tenant, you know, if they don't know if it's a lender owned property and then if they were going to sell it, then people were going to expect a discount because it's a lender owned property. So, uh, they took it back and exactly what I ended up telling them was going to happen, happened. And they ended up taking a hit of about five and a half million dollars after about a little over a year and a half. And, um, it was painful to watch, but it was a lot of lessons learned in that one. And um, as I was mentioning before, you know, you learn a lot more from your failures than you're ever going to learn from your successes. So
0: um, that was the most painful one, though. Wow. It sounds like they could have really used your video course. <laughs> no, if
1: they, look, they were just, they weren't nice people. They were doing it for two guys and in invest, uh, investment groups a lot bigger uh, and more capitalized than I was and that's
0: why they're not in business anymore Wow well mm-hmm. the good guys won then
1: I guess you know I just like I said I you know I I learned a lot of lessons from that one and to me that um, you know if I had to take uh, any silver lining out of that whole uh, scenario that happened to me was after going through what I went through uh, I think I could just about handle anything that's thrown
0: at me. So (laughs) that's good. That's good. Wow. Well, thank you for that story. Brian, where can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, They
1: can reach me at Brian B R I a N at Impact. CoachingSystemsWithAnS.com. And uh, I even tell people, you know, my the, the, the people that buy my information and stuff, I'm happy to answer questions for them and stuff. I mean, if you don't, you want to shoot me a question or, even, look, I'll even give you my phone number. It's 818-371-0311. I, I tell them consider me a resource. I just uh, I like sharing this information. It helps people, and that's what it's all about, you know, about helping others. If you do that, the universal laws, you know, are going to be working in your favor. So,
0: wow, giving your number out on the internet—that is a bold move, but I respect it.
1: I've met some really super nice people uh,
0: by putting it out there, so I I, I have no hesitation. Good doing it. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Well, Brian, thank you for your time today. I really hope and and I know the listeners got a lot out of it. I certainly encourage them to go look up both of your books and your video course. The links will be in the show notes and we will catch you on the next one.
1: Okay. I appreciate it, Taylor. Thanks for having me.